It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Hope you had a great holiday weekend. We're back in action now, and nothing has slowed down over the weekend. We have a lot to go over. It was very hard drilling down to just three major stories. It's also the time, the countdown for me personally, and my family, and my loved ones, because Jesse Waters' book, the long-anticipated book, is finally here, and he's going to be talking about it exclusively with us until he talks to other people. So it'll be exclusive for about five to seven minutes, not counting Fox and Friends' appearance. So I'm not sure, in retrospect, I should have used the term exclusive. Please sue me. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West after that, who had a big announcement. He's going to be running for governor of Texas against a sitting governor who happens to be a Republican. So before I get to Jesse, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The loss of terrain and the, and the rapidity of that loss of terrain has, has to be concerning. One, because it's a uh, war is physical but it's also got a psychological or moral component to it. Yeah, I would and, say so. Uh, hope actually matters, and morale actually matters. General Scott Miller was in charge of Afghanistan, and now the exit couldn't be worse. It's so irresponsible. I'm talking about the abrupt, haphazard pull out of Afghanistan, handing the country over to the Taliban and China. Yeah, China will bring you the best, uh, uh, will bring you the least of the 2021 version, uh, or I should say the 2021 version of Saigon. Number two. Right now in Chicago, mm. over 2,000 people have been shot to date, and about 354 people have been killed. And uh, to date also, uh, 52 young people under the age of 15 have been shot, and 10 young people under 15 have been killed. The mayor's not listening right now. The superintendent, they're not listening. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, crime and no punishment. Surging shootings, homicides, have Republicans and families crying. Dems stay silent. But once they do speak, guess who they blame? You got it. Race. Number one. Are you proud to be an American? No. I feel embarrassed to be an American every day. Not really in this climate. N not most of the time. I think sometimes it's just a little embarrassing. No. <laughs> be proud of what? And what is there to be proud about if you're black? I think most of the time, no. Unbelievable. That's the uh, students at Georgetown. War in history takes aim at Independence Day. The text, the tweets are outrageous and all play into the teaching drill hole, drilled into your kids at home called critical race theory. It's time to fight back. And a guy that's always on the streets talking to people is Jesse Waters. He's got a brand new book out. It's called How I Saved the World. If you haven't seen it yet, it's not your fault. It's now available for the first time, right, Jesse? It is in stores today, Brian. Right, which is a very funny, self-deprecating way of being of talking about your story that brought you here at 42 years old. That's right, and I'll be 43, I think, on Thursday. Oh, okay. And the five actually turns 10 on my birthday. So we're going to be having a big extravaganza out on the plaza. Is, is it okay if we broadcast from the plaza outside? Do, you, uh, well, do we have the Fox and Friends I permission? I think you're going to have to pay do a fee. Do we have to pay rent? You should. <laughs> I mean, we do own the veranda. Uh, and we are the first ones to go out there. You guys did almost copy us all the time. You did a dunk tank for the longest time. Yeah, we steal everything from Fox and Friends. Right, now it's, uh, and now we steal it from you.
Uh, but Jesse, a couple of things, just real quick on that last series of sound bites. Are you surprised about the number of tweets from Maxine Waters to Corey Bush on down ripping this country on the Fourth of July? I've, I've every once in a while one will come through and it'll stand out. But from everything I've seen, there's been more negativity towards our birthday. People have to be laughing at us around the world. It sounds like a Waters World man on the street interview. When I used to go out and ask people, hey, well, are you proud to be an American? What's the best part about being in this country? Who won the Civil War? And you teed it up perfectly. They don't understand history. And a lot of the politicians, because of social media, have designed a, an echo chamber for themselves where all they hear is left-wing fanaticism. They don't hear from regular people. They don't know what regular people think. They just think that everybody thinks like them, so they feel like they can get away with disparaging this country on July 4th. And I have a question for them who say they're embarrassed to be an American. Well, what other country do you want to come from? That's a great Where question. Where do you want to be from? You want to be from Romania? You, you want to be from Afghanistan? You want to be from North Korea? France? Go look at the French history. And right. then tell me if you're proud of the French history. See, they don't know anything about what this world has come from, and, and that's their problem. And what it's like now, uh, Corey Bush came out and says, when they say it's the 4th of July, it's about American freedom. Remember this, the freedom they're referring to is for white people. This is a guy representing uh, Missouri, uh, a woman, I should say, Ashid Batar, who wants to be, she's a congressional candidate in San Francisco, uh, says, Corey Bush is right. It's almost as if our entire country has been brainwashed to ignore our history. Uh, and then, of course, Maxine Waters, July 4th and so, the Declaration of Independence says, all men are created equal. Equal to what? What men? Only white men. Uh, isn't it something that they wrote in 1776 that African Americans are enslaved? They weren't thinking about us then, but they're thinking about us now. This is a woman who lives in a mansion who has been a congr uh, congresswoman for how many years? How bad has America been to her? Can you please explain that to me? What do they want to do? What's the solution, Brian? Do they want to now just give all of our land back to the Native Americans? Do yeah. they want to give the Texas back to Mexico? Do they we want to go back and give it back to Great Britain? How far back do you want to go? Should all white people go somewhere else? Constitutionally, everyone's created equal in this country. Right. So where are we going besides just running this country down? See, I just don't understand how it happened. Why 2020? Why 2020, 2021? Like, what... What just suddenly got traction? I mean, we were at a, a time when, you know, we were at, in the 1960s. We watched that video and we say, wow, men's and women's uh, black and white bathrooms and water fountains and back of the bus. We've come such a long way. What were we thinking? Well, back it then? starts with the police situation. And that started in 2014. Remember the hands up, don't shoot. That's when race relations in this country really started to go south. St. Louis. I believe it was, I think they pulled Gallup does it every year, black Obviously. and white race relations. It was in like the 60s, 70s, 80s for many, many years. And it does a nosedive in 2014. And the media exacerbated that. And the media made it look like white cops were at war on young black men and murdering them in the streets willy-nilly. And it got people thinking wait a second, are blacks and whites not equal? Or is there a race war in this country? And there was a lot of antagonism, animosity that the media fueled. And now it's gone way too far. And Donald Trump's not here anymore. So there's no fall guy. There's no finger to point to. So now everybody just points to America instead. Ferguson started it. It ended up being a total lie. Michael Brown. Uh, right. And then I remember, I think it was uh, Shelby Steele who did a documentary, Who Killed Michael Brown? And he went over it and talked about it. That's how smart you are, Jesse. 
Uh, he talked about it from this small p picture how it's a biggest lie ever who Michael Brown was and what he did and the circumstances around it and why he has seen America. He was a radical in the 60s and he's come full circle. Uh, we'll talk about that too. First off, let's talk. We have uh, another segment as well. But I just want to talk about your book. What prompted you to say, okay, I want to put this down. I want to talk about my shoots, the background that led to it, how you hooked up with Bill O'Reilly, what you did before uh, you got there. I needed the money. Let's <laughs> <laughs> be honest. So you, you just got mad. You know, you having kids. Now. I got to a place in my life where I felt I had the space to sit down and really reflect on where I'd come from and right. put everything on paper. I'd gotten uh, remarried. And uh, I'd moved, and I was in a comfortable place at the five. I could kind of figure out the balance between everything. And I wanted to put it down, and it happened to be timed perfectly towards the pandemic. So I had nothing else to do except write. I couldn't go anywhere. And so I wrote it all down. You actually went from your house. You broadcast from your house in shorts. Uh, yes. <laughs> right? In pink shorts. Yeah. And uh, for about a year. And uh, and then, like, when we got back to the building, I walked into the building with pink shorts, and everybody said, no, Jesse, the camera's going to shoot you head to toe. I said, oh, yeah, that's right. So I kind of figured out who I was and, and wrote it all down and started with Bill and, and with my liberal parents raising me and just kind of went kind of year to year. And, and this American journey, as, as it's called, from, from being a, a young guy growing up in, in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, to now starting in the basement at Fox to working his way up to two shows, The Five and Waters World, it's been, it's been a fun journey. And there's a lot of stories behind how it happened. All right, just talk about your upbringing. At first, you refer to Teddy Roosevelt. And I'm like, what's he <laughs> talking about? But you do refer to how much outdoor living you did. So did your parents your send parent you to camp? Oh, a soccer camp. Okay so, okay, so I went to lacrosse camp. I went to sports. I did all that. And then my parents thought that I was getting soft, I think. Your dad was no American. He was a first-team All-American. Uh, he faced off at Denison. And it was very cold in his shadow. And because uh, I didn't play college ball. So my but parents, you tried. I did, and it, I think uh, I think I flamed out in about three weeks. I had to get up very early for practice right. in college. That <laughs> you was did not like me. that. Did not like that. I didn't have the right equipment. Also, I blamed it all on my equipment, and so my parents started sending me to survival schools. I think my dad had done canoeing in, in Canada. So I think my family wanted me to build character. I had enough character. Right. I, I was fine. And so they started sending me to school. Even in retrospect? Uh, per perhaps this built <laughs> even more character. But I'd, go, I'd get to these camps, and it would be like myself, a girl who was cutting herself, and like uh, like Chavez from the inner city, who'd showed up with like his gear in like a, a glad plastic bag. Right. And I thought maybe, like, is this, a, is this a camp for troubled youth? And I'd get there and, like, lightning would strike and we'd all scatter and, you know, we didn't, we'd have to kill our food. And I went through a lot of, a lot of rough times out there. I think I had third degree sunburns. And I remember once, you refused to put on sunscreen. I refused to put on suntan lotion, and um, I was in love with a girl at the time. Right? she thought, thought you looked better tan. I thought, I, who doesn't? And, I, I and think so I my counselor, because I was so scorched, made me put on, you know, zinc oxide, the stuff, yeah. you know, lifeguards just put on their nose. I had to put that all over my face. So right. white goo all over my face. Like a mime. Like a mime. People are throwing sticks. Bugs are flying. They're sticking into my <laughs> face. And I finally see this girl that I'd fallen in love with um, at camp. And 
She looked at me. You know when people back away from you without yeah. turning their backs? Mm-hmm. Like she she kind of backs away like without letting me lose her sight. That's how scared she was of me. I I look I look like um I looked it was like deliverance. Right. And that's and that's kind of some of the things we talk about in the book. So that's why it, it's a tongue-in-cheek how I save the world, because you talk about yourself in a very human way. I'm a survivalist. I survived here at Fox News. Right. I mean, every, a lot of people left here, Brian. Right. Um, you know, you can't kill me. I will survive. I was put out in the wilderness for months. And, and They gave go- me a match. They gave me a knife. And I came back alive. Right. And Very you were, tan, though. You were in the tape room, one of the worst jobs ever, right? <laughs> Handling tapes, labeling tapes. And then you got out because you heard the O'Reilly Factor was looking uh, was looking to staff up. You do you talk about your interviews with Bill O'Reilly, which are hysterical. And then he thought, then you realize that Bill thought you were an intern. <laughs> yes. So at our first pitch meeting, everybody goes around and pitches Bill a story we think would be good television. So all the producers line up, and Bill's just like shooting people down, like you idiot, uh, what are you talking about? That's terrible. And I get up, and he cuts me off, and he says, "No, interns don't pitch." Next. And Tabakoff, our executive producer, said, Bill, this is Jesse Waters. You just hired him to be your new production assistant. So he says, all right, what do you got? Go. And I pitch and I bomb. And later that afternoon, our EP brings me to his office and says, Jesse, Bill thinks you're not articulate enough to be on television. You have two weeks to turn it around or you're fired. (laughs) I turned it around. He did. But that is a scary situation. It was scary. It is. Uh, listen, more of on Jesse's story. His book is now out, How I Save the World. He's also going to help our show. Not that our show needs saving. <laughs> I would say we need enhancing. And Jesse is providing that. And the thing is, this is going to really, uh, our future, you and I, is going to really revolve around the fact that once your book is out and becomes a bestseller multiple weeks, will you still come back? That's the question you have to answer at the end of the next segment. Okay. If you don't have anything to sell, will you still do the show? Yeah. Don't answer yet. Don't answer yet. Back in a moment, you listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks for being here. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Fox News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. If you put yourself 
in an environment in which you have a high level of viral dynamics and a very low level of vaccine, you might want to go the extra step and say, when I'm in that area where there's a considerable degree of viral circulation, I might want to go the extra mile to be cautious enough to make sure that I get the extra added level of protection, even though the vaccines themselves are highly effective. Okay, he wants us to wear a mask if we're around people that aren't vaccinated if you're vaccinated. What is wrong with him? This is the guy that's on TV more than you. This is why you don't like him. Right, no, you're that, jealous. He's getting so much airtime. By the way, I got a bunch of text messages. You use that analogy on the air the I other day? several yeah, times. <laughs> right. So evidently, people are like, yeah, I'm going to get Jesse for you. I'm like, what are you talking about? What do you say now? So yeah, the guy's never turned down an interview. He even did Waters World. Can you imagine wow. that? Um, so yeah, right. Before he was exposed. Right before, and now he won't come on. Right. And he won't do the the house hearing either on the origins. So all of a sudden, this guy is really shy. After doing every after doing every podcast, every radio show for a year. You remember Tim Russell would meet the press? Yeah. So I'm watching Chuck Todd, who has no semblance of balance of no. even you know, Chris Wallace will hop on the other side back and forth. He'll find it find your weaknesses and go after it. Nobody like does like Tim Russell probably ever will. But they just talked about this whole thing about us missing it. Didn't mention any with Anthony Fauci, how Trump missed it and said it was gonna go away. Excuse me. The guy you're talking to said, we have nothing to worry about. Don't wear a mask. And then he tells us to mask, double, triple mask with goggles. And you <laughs> never goggles. even, yeah, and, and I'm not kidding. And there, not, a, not a question on that. So this guy sees his career and his relevance fading. Once this virus fades, he fades. He's no longer useful. So he's trying to look at every little cluster and every little part of the country and then inflame that into something like, oh, the Delta variant, we got to listen to Dr. Fauci. No, no, no. We listened to Dr. Fauci. We're okay now. We're, We're moving forward. We don't need you anymore. And, I don't and he's even, still clinging to relevance. And I find that he could not possibly be doing the work behind the scenes if he's on the, in front of the camera so much. Quick thing on your, on your book, How I Saved the World. You talk. This is the other thing I think people could find inspirational, especially the 20-somethings coming out of school. You didn't know what you were a history major. You didn't know exactly what you wanted to do. You're trying a few jobs, not going overwhelmingly well, whether it's service industry, the finance industry. And then you end up... You you worked for a political campaign for a... It was a judge who was running against Elliot Spitzer for attorney general. And you who were in charge of opposition research, (laughs) and you missed Elliot Spitzer's hooker problem. For opposition research. This guy was sleeping with more prostitutes. And you missed it. I totally missed it. And th- that was my job, head researcher. And then when you get to a company, I feel it's a dead-end job. Wrong. You're labeling tapes one minute. I got to get out of here. I'm not quitting. I got to get out of here. You go to the hardest guy, Bill O'Reilly, to impress. You find a way to stay alive, and then you did the impossible. You, he's very fair. You impressed him, and then you become a central character in O'Reilly Factory. You get your own show, and now you're on. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. On one of the biggest success stories, your show is a huge hit Saturday. Are we talking about the Brian Kilmeade show? No, we're talking about Monday. We're talking about the five. <laughs> that's right. So I got out of college and wanted to make money in finance because that's where everybody at Trinity wanted to go. 
And I did not even take a single business class in college. And so I get to this company where we're handling about $11 billion under management. And I was on the sales team. So I could memorize a spiel. But then one follow-up question, <laughs> kaboom. And your boss came up <laughs> and to you and said, to me, Jesse, you don't know what you're talking about, do you? I said, honestly, I have no idea. And I got fired. And then I worked at a restaurant as a busboy. And? And... It was a high-end restaurant, and the guys in the kitchen hated me because they're like, you got to work at, like, Denny's before you work here. I was dropping plates. I didn't know how to plate food. And then so I tried to take vacation on the second week, and that was not – that was frowned upon. Jesse, uh, unfortunately, we're up against a hard break. How I Saved the World is out. It's out. And we got to come back and continue to tell us how the earth definitely eventually gets saved. That's right. Thank you, Brian. All right. Congratulations on this. Beat Bill. (laughs) (laughs) Bill's number one right now. See if Jesse is. We're coming for you. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. As we celebrate our birth as a nation, a day that kickstarted a, a, a revolution to gain our sovereignty, let's admit that this last year's trip around the sun was also another head scratcher. Um, but let's also remember that we are babies. You know, as a country, we are basically going through puberty in comparison to um, other countries' timelines. Um, and we're going to go through growing pains. Uh, Matthew McConaughey uh, speaking to the people, obviously considering a run for Texas governor. In the latest poll, I think he's within one point of Governor Abbott uh, in Texas. And Governor Abbott's got some more competition. Is Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. He made it official over the weekend. He was Texas GOP chair and said, I've seen enough. I could do better and wants to run. He did say he had a big announcement coming. We thought it was going to be something to do with political office, and we're absolutely right. Joining us now, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Uh, Colonel, welcome. It's good to be back with you. It was great seeing you this morning on the uh, on the TV. Yeah, and we replayed your clip again a little bit later on uh, when you talk about what's going on in Texas and the chaos of the border. Uh, just on, on Matthew McConaughey, what do you think about his description of America? I think it's way off. Uh, you know, I've traveled to 13 different countries, been in three different combat zones, and we are not a baby. We're not going through puberty. This is an incredible nation. The technological and, uh, you know, advancements that we have, medical advancements, the advancements for liberty and freedom that we have, we're the longest-running constitutional republic that the world has ever known. Now, the challenge that we have is the ideological battleground in which we find ourselves with this new Marxism that is rooted in uh, racial division instead of socioeconomic division, and this encroachment of progressive socialism into our economic systems and all of our operating uh, cultural societal systems of this country, instead of relying on the uh, you know the fundamentals of our republic, which are the Declaration and the Rule of Law. So I think that uh, what. Matthew McConaughey tried to do was a very simpleton explanation about what is going on in the country. Well, I mean, it's also it's very similar to what Caitlyn Jenner comes out and says, you know, I could do better, but he doesn't really know the issues. And not that he's necessarily supposed to. He had another job. But it's a little different if you want to come out of the wilderness and say, I want to run a state when you don't really have any background in that. It's a citizen government. I get it. Just something to note. Uh, He seems like a great guy. It's hard to believe that he'd be a great governor. Uh, I'm going to give you an idea of what was out and what was making news over the weekend. Uh, Jamal Bowman, a rookie congressman from New York, 
Let us reflect on the full story of America today. Black people were not freed in 1776. Despite a systematic a system stacked against us, we must continue to use our collective power to change that system. Barbara Lee, as we celebrate Independence Day, we must also confront the history of slavery and recognize that the ideals of justice and equality have not been realized for all of us. Let us take the opportunity to recommit to upholding fundamental freedoms uh, for all people. Uh, and this guy, uh, I do not know him, Torre. You know, I'm not sure who he is, but uh, I think he's on MSNBC. He said, F, 4th of July. The only Independence Day I recognize is Juneteenth. So I'm surprised that people going out of their way to stab America in the back from the inside. Well, you know, what's amazing is uh, the person that said he only recognized uh, Juneteenth. Uh, that was because of Republicans. Uh, the Republican Party was established for one issue, was to end slavery. The Democrat Party supported slavery. And, you know, July the 4th of 1867 uh, was the birthday of the start, the establishment of the Republican Party of Texas by 150 black men. And so if you want to talk about liberty, freedom, ending slavery, uh, that's what the Republican Party has always been about. It's the Democrats that have been about the physical uh, enslavement of people, now the economic enslavement, especially of the black community. Look at all these inner city communities where the Democrats are in, uh, in power and control. You want to talk about a news story from this weekend? How many people were shot? How many people were killed? And just the city of Chicago. You know, if you want to talk about freedom and liberty and, and, you know, enslavement, look at what is going on when people are living in fear of crime and, you know, there and, and terrorized every single night, every single weekend. But they're not addressing, they're not talking about that. Yeah, we have uh, gun violence on the 4th of July, 184 killed, 464 injured. I think the number's over 200 now, counting last night. Portland overall in shootings up 128% this year. L.A. up almost 50%. New York City, 43%. Atlanta, 40%. Philly, 30%. How is Biden handling crime in America? 38%. Let me ask some. When it comes to uh, illegal immigration, only 32% approve of the way he's handling it. Handling crime in America, 38%. How the heck does he have 54% approval rating, Colonel West? Well, I think you're going and talking to the people that are getting paid to sit at home uh, if you're going to look at his approval rating. Because when you think about all of the issues that are facing Americans, you know, I was just down on the border, uh, you know, uh, early Monday morning, late, you know, Sunday, Sunday evening, and I saw the failures of the Biden administration, what has happened. That is one of the main reasons why I'm running for governor of Texas. But then you also look at what is happening at the gas pump. I mean, how many Americans were out traveling this week? but they saw exorbitantly high gasoline prices, and that's because of the Biden administration shut down the Keystone XL pipeline, but telling Vladimir Putin he can have his uh, natural gas pipeline. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to hit you with some numbers now that people can relate to. I don't care which Democrat or Republican. National average gas prices, uh, regular is 313, premium is 374. Uh, one year ago, it was 218 and 278. Mm -hmm. Don't tell me that's not a tax increase. Used car ups up, up 30 percent, housing up 12 percent, inflation up 5 percent, uh, transportation up 11 percent, clothing up 5 percent, food up 2.2 percent. For the average people, and I, that's how I grew up, we were paycheck to paycheck. We knew where every dollar was going. Mm -hmm. uh, we know, you're going to tell me people don't feel that? They're not going to pick their head up and go, what just happened? You know, we don't, maybe yeah. we, we like his tweets better, but my goodness, maybe I liked America better the way it was. 
No, you're absolutely right. And I think that that's the message that, you know, conservatives, definitely Republicans have to continue to do is talk about those kitchen table issues because people are feeling it, Brian, without a doubt they are feeling it. And here in the state of Texas, where we have an issue with property taxes that continue to rise, which is really a, a Marxist based system of taxation in the first place, where you are increasingly uh, taxing people based upon their homes, their property, and therefore they never can own their home. And so so when we have property taxes that are rising because home prices are rising because of folks moving here from California, Illinois, New York, New Jersey, they're dropping cash to pay for houses, and they're just flying off the market. I see it here in my neighborhood. All of these things are coming together. The high price of uh, a lumber now, and which goes into the cost of building a new home. So all of these things people are feeling, we just got to make sure that they don't forget the reason why it happened. The policies of the Biden administration, that's why we need to have strong state leadership to push back against these onerous policies. So you were running the Texas GOP. What did you see up close about Governor Abbott that made you uh, that made you got to the point where for the first time in 10 years you're running for office? Well, I will tell you that the Republican Party of Texas had eight legislative priorities that were selected at the state convention last summer, and uh, they were not fully addressed by the uh, Texas state legislature, which people worked hard to make sure we had majorities, 83 to 67 in the state house, 18 to 13 state senate. We have uh, statewide leadership, uh, and they failed the people. Yeah, sure, we got constitutional carry passed, but we were the 21st state to get that done. But when you look at election integrity, didn't get done. Taxpayer-funded lobbying continues on. No school choice. Uh, we are continuing to physically and chemically castrate children in the state of Texas by way of hormonal therapies, puberty blockers, and we are seeing gender reassignment uh, clinics pop up all over the state. That should not be happening in Texas. Well, yet the Democrat, you know, it's not you're an absolute monarch in Texas. You do have to deal with a legislature that does have a Democratic presence, right? Yeah, they do have a Democrat presence, but I think the important thing is that when Republicans are in majority control, they need to act like Republicans and uh, abide by the things that they said that they were going to do when they're on the campaign trail. When Democrats are in control, they, they rule with an iron fist. Look at what is happening up there in Washington, D.C. They have their ideological agenda. They, they don't care about working with Republicans, which is why you hear in the Senate they want to end the filibuster so they can get their agenda through. Well, there's a lot, uh, lot there. I know one thing, um, it, it'll be a formidable challenge because on the other side, you have a Democratic wonder boy, uh, Beto O'Rourke, who thinks he's going to run for governor. Do you worry about dividing Republicans and making this uh, possible for Beto O'Rourke to triumph? No, I don't think so. I think that on our side, Republicans are going to have the opportunity to pick the best and the strongest person to be their gladiator to go into the arena. And I will tell you that if I have to go up against a Robert Francis O'Rourke who embraces open borders, who embraces uh, gun control, that's not going to fly very well here in, te in Texas. Now, the other thing would be, how do you get your Texas legislature back to work? You know, they walked out instead of, so you couldn't get a quorum for them to sign the uh, the the vote the pan the non pandemic voting reforms. So what do you do? What are your options? Well, first and foremost, we shouldn't have pushed the election integrity down to the end of the legislative session. The uh, special session will start on 8 July, and I think that just the same as Governor Perry did back some time ago, if they try to walk out, you go out and you uh, you arrest them, you bring them back. This is their constitutional duty, and we cannot allow people to, to use such uh, immature uh, tactics and antics to stall the effective functioning of the state of Texas. 
All right, uh, Governor, what kind of team have you put together? Oh, excuse me, Governor, oh. Lieutenant uh, Congressman. <laughs> I know you want to be governor, so what kind of team have you put together? We're putting together a team that believes in Texas, believes in what it stands for, and they know me very well. Uh, most of them have been at my side for the past three to five years, and uh, they were with me at, as uh, chairman of the Republican Party of Texas. So we're going to be very successful, uh, and this is a campaign for the people of Texas. Not uh, It's not my campaign. It's theirs. What was Governor Abbott's reaction when he when you told him? Well, I did not tell him. Uh, I'm sure he he saw the announcement, and, and I wasn't there to see because I was busy uh, being with people and then catching a flight to go down to the border. All right. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Ellis, it's going to be exciting months. It's going to be uh, sprint to 2022, right? Roger that. It's, right. a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint, full sprint, but uh, we will endure to the end. Uh, he was former chairman of the Republican Party, now wants to be the next governor of Texas. Uh, Alan West, thank you. Thank you so much, Brian. Take care. You got it. one 408 7669 1-866-408-7669. From the crime and no punishment uh, to us leaving Afghanistan the most irresponsible way possible uh, to the rise uh, to this anti-American sentiment on the 4th of July. What can we do to reverse things? What can we do to change things? You'll listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first. Only on The Brian Kilmeade Show. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I don't like leaving friends in need, and I know it, my friends are in need. If you look at the security situation, it, it's not good. Uh, the Afghans have recognized it's not good. The Taliban are on the move. We're starting to create conditions here that won't look good for Afghanistan in the future if there's a push for a military takeover. Can you think of anything more embarrassing than leaving, uh, not telling anyone you're leaving, leaving them hours ahead of time because you feel so insecure that the Afghan government or the forces are going to tell the Taliban and come out and attack the Bagram Air Base, which they haven't been doing because part of the deal is we leave. That's the deal during the Trump. They framed out this uh, exit plan where they'd be continued to have talks with the sitting Afghan government, some type of Taliban coalition government with a lawyer jerga and everything they do with their culture. And instead, they stopped going into talks because the Taliban were taking province after province. And there's such a lack of planning on our exit. This is a flat out embarrassment. This is going to be Saigon revisited. That was General Scott Miller talking about leaving all of our allies behind, the people that have interpreted for us, been our fixers, been the people we can count on. Now you have thousands who are wondering what's going to happen to me because the Taliban are taking over. No one thinks this government's going to stand and they're going to kill them, behead them. They know it. They're scared to death. At least it could have been a gradual dismount is my problem. You guys don't want endless wars. Nobody wants endless wars. I have news for you. It wasn't a hot war. It was costing us money. We had to gradually phase out the fact that we were writing the checks for the Afghan uh, forces. I get it. We could have gradually cut back contractors, gradually turned over the Air Force to them. But stopping on a dime for political purposes is inexcusable. Had we learned nothing. More from Miller. Cut 18. I would like us not to just turn our backs on this. I think there, there are tremendous lessons, and, uh, you know, they're not all positives. And there's victories as well. 
so we can celebrate those. Uh, but good organizations uh, really learn from those things that didn't go as well as they want to. You know, an honest self-reflection. Yeah, that, that's going to be important going forward. Yeah, I would think so. And on a self-reflection. And then there's a memory. Memory in Iraq. Now, think about this. Barack Obama ran the Iraq war as a dumb war, which is one of the most irresponsible things to say because people have lost their lives and limbs for that dumb war, let alone the psychological trauma of fighting the dumb war. Instead of citing the surge, one of the greatest adaption of on military battlefield that we've seen in American history, instead of a great invasion, a bad postmortem, and then a quick adjustment, and talking about how we team with tribes to be effective, he pulls all the troops out. And it was quiet. And we thought the Baghdad government was secure. But what happened is the unrest in Syria ripples into Iraq. Our forces aren't there. We had to rush right back. Does this remind the general of that? Cut 20. Do you think about Iraq when we're leaving here and what happened in Iraq when we left? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, not, that's, on, that's on everybody's mind. It's, uh, you know, again, these are judgments uh, that we have to make balanced against our national interests. Right. Just so you know, there was a reason why. The Secretary of Defense for a Democrat and Republican, mostly Republican, Gates, said Joe Biden's been wrong about every military and national security decision uh, in his lifetime. He was wrong again. I, I was not for the way Donald Trump was pulling out, but still it was more organized. Mike Pompeo would have made sure that his objections were cleared, but in a responsible way. This is all Joe Biden. Mike McCall incensed yesterday on Sunday on Fox News Sunday, Cut 21. I think it's political. It's it's just all boils down to politics. If you talk to anybody in the national security realm or in the defense department, nobody thought this was a good idea. A residual force of 2,500 troops is not a whole lot of a footprint compared to where we have troops elsewhere to provide stability in the region. And I, I'm, I'm concerned with this complete decision to pull out that it's— um, it's not going to have a good ending to it. And you know, I look at the embassy itself. We're going to have 600 people, uh, DOD and other personnel. You know, I'm from Texas, the Alamo. Mm -hmm. uh, we had uh, 250 Texans, 5,000 Mexicans. Didn't end up so well there. I think the odds are worse in Afghanistan. So yesterday, the Afghans looted the Bagram Air Base hours after our troops left. Dozens of looters moved into uh, Bagram without telling local officials we moved out, so therefore there was no security. They were able to steal several, uh, several uh, they were able to move in uh, and steal almost everything that was not uh, screwed down. Uh, the, the Afghan National Security Defense Forces eventually gained control. One eyewitness told J.P. Lawrence, a local writer from the Daily Mail, people are used to looting. That's why Afghanistan's getting destroyed day by day. The incident is a disturbing sign of the unrest that may come following the hasty withdrawal of U.S. forces. So we leave in the dead of night, and we leave that legacy. Don't tell me we're going to be able to staff the embassy when the Taliban take over. Absolutely not. Don't tell me the stories are not correct and China's ready to move in. They're concerned about security at the border. They also would like additional influence without having to run into our forces. So now they get a shot. And guess what? The Taliban need to be recognized by somebody. And they'll probably choose, to, besides Saddam Hussein, who's now dead, so they'll probably choose China. And they'll probably tell all the Muslims, I know you stand fundamentalists and we're going to, and we have to stand up for other Muslims like the ones that are being tortured, but we're really uh, whatever the strong horse is. We're going to go with China and take their money and stand up their unpopular government. All preventable, self-inflicted wounds. Listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Go to briankilmeadeshow.com, order the podcast, and briankilmeade.com, order any of my books I sign and send.
Serving the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We're coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. We appreciate you joining us as we come off this holiday weekend, extended weekend, if you got that Monday off. We have a lot to discuss now. Uh, we, she wants to be the next senator, replace uh, Richard Shelby over in Alabama, uh, Katie uh, uh, Katie Boyd-Britt will be with us, and then we'll have Congressman Michael Waltz on Afghanistan and so much more out of Florida. And then we'll do a simulcast with Barney and Company, and I believe um, uh, Ashley, uh, is in for, uh, Ashley Webster is in for our Stuart Varney, so we'll do some of that. We do have some economic numbers that are uh, quite disturbing. I mean, look at this. Everyday fat values. If you find yourself with less spending money, don't fault yourself. It's not you being a spendthrift. If you... Uh, are worried about housing, it's up 12%. Transportation, 11%. Clothing, up 5%. Food, up 2%. Used cars, up 30%. If you see even gas, it's up a full dollar uh, from last year, or maybe even a little bit more around the country. You find yourself with less money to spend. It's probably not your fault. Even lumber, my goodness, everything's costing more, and inflation's stealing it all. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The loss of terrain and the, and the rapidity of that loss of terrain has, has to be concerning. One, because it's a uh, war is physical, but it's also got a psychological or moral component to it. And uh, hope actually matters and morale actually matters. General Scott Miller talking over the weekend on This Week with George Stephanopoulos. You could not do it in a more irresponsible way. I am talking about the abrupt haphazard pull-out of Af- Afghanistan, handing the country over to the evil Taliban and... China. Yeah, China. We'll bring in the latest on the 2021 version of Saigon. Number two. Right now in Chicago, mm. over 2,000 people have been shot to date, and about 354 people have been killed. And uh, to date also, uh, 52 young people under the age of 15 have been shot, and 10 young people under 15 have been killed. The mayor's not listening right now. The superintendent, they're not listening. Yep, crime and no punishment. Surging shootings and homicides have Republicans and families crying. The Dems stay silent. But once they do speak, you know what they blame? Race. Number one. Are you proud to be an American? No. I feel embarrassed to be an American every day. Not really in this climate. Not most of the time. I think sometimes it's just a little embarrassing. No. (laughs) Be proud of what? And what is there to be proud about if you're black? I think most of the time, no. Yeah, don't send your kids to Georgetown. War on history takes aim at Independence Day. The text, the tweets were outrageous. And all the uh, players, all this plays into the teachings drilled at home through critical race theory. It's time to fight back. And uh, that's where we'll begin. So I was giving you an idea of what campus reform did when they went to campus at Georgetown. They said that you didn't even have to go far. You really couldn't find anybody who was happy to be American. What you do is you have a bunch of kids who are in their t- teens or early 20s who have no idea what it's like to live overseas. This uh, Congresswoman Elon Omar, if she had a sense of responsibility in her, she would take this time to talk about how bad things were in Somalia, Sudan, or where in Africa she was from, an oppressed nation that got her into this country. And now she's a congresswoman ripping our country. Now you have kids ripping our country, critical race theory destroying our country. Here's a listen 
of some of what our next generation of, by the way, not easy to get into Georgetown, political thinkers is thinking. Cut one. Are you proud to be an American? No. (laughs) I feel embarrassed to be an American every day. Not really in this climate. Not most of the time. I think sometimes it's just a little embarrassing. No. (laughs) Be proud of what? What is there to be proud about if you're black? I think that's a complicated question for me. I think most of the time, no, at least over like the past four years, um, it's been tricky to, you know, love to be an American. Why is it tricky to love to be an American? You could point out things that you want to change in the country. You don't like the Afghanistan occupation or Iraq war. You don't like Bush. You love Obama, whatever it is. You want, you, you want to get rid of the filibuster, but if you look at how we started, you look at where we've been, you look at how far we've come, and then you pick your head up out of the sand and you look around the world and you see the one problem we have is everybody wants to come here. Even on our worst day, we're better than every nation on their best day. You want to be in Russia? You want to be in China? You want to be in France? Get used to nothing. Malays, they're living in the past. There's no motivation. There's no ambition. There's no innovation. That's what you get. And in our country, if you're unhappy, you protest. If you go somewhere, if you're not happy with the tax form, you go to another state. It's got everything here. This is a land of opportunity, not outcomes. Opportunity, not outcomes. That's what we should be teaching people. Britt Hume nailed it yesterday. Cut five. You know, the one thing that you never hear, critics of this country along the lines we've just heard in Anita's report, never hear them cite, is some country which measures up to their standards. You never hear about another country which is doing a better job of it than we had, and there's a reason for that. I can think of no nation on earth, and perhaps no nation in history, that has tried harder or done more to bring its minority populations into the mainstream of the country with all its freedoms and advantages. And yet we see all these pundits on television just ripping the country nonstop, especially African-Americans. Look, as Condoleezza Rice said, I'm not going to play it again. We paid it for three weeks, and, and Eric is tired of digging it up for me. Condoleezza Rice came out and said, listen, if you look at our education, our system, it's unequal. Let's fight for that. But if you're going to vilify one race and say the reason why education in inner cities among African-Americans is white people's fault, when it has nothing to do with white people, it has to do with Americans putting money into the cities and finding a way to bolster those schools and making them more accountable. And when you start with education, everything else falls into place. And you have generations on welfare and who are getting paid and get paid more not to work than to work and get money for having kids and being in single parent situations. It plays into that. You have to teach people differently instead of blaming, finding a way out. And the people that have gotten out and have had success, I think, are being the most irresponsible. You have a woman like uh, Cori Bush, who's a first-term congresswoman in Missouri, says, when they say the 4th of July is about American freedom, remember this, the freedom they're referring to is for white people. When you have other people like Maxine Waters living in a mansion in Los Angeles representing uh, the South Central, don't ask me how she does that, says July 4th, the Declaration of Independence says all men are created equal, equal to what? What are men? Well, only white men? Isn't it something they wrote in 1776 when African Americans were enslaved? Yeah. And then 245 years later, look at you. Look at how far you've come, your national name, acting irresponsibly in my book. I wouldn't elect you to do anything representing me, but people in Los Angeles feel differently. Instead of turning around and saying, this is how I did it. This is what I overcame. This is how much better it is for you. This is how much more we have to do. You go ahead and do something irresponsible so you get a few high fives from Al Sharpton. That, to me, is just terrible. 
They point out things on election laws. They say it's voter suppression to stop minorities from voting. It has nothing to do with that. I'm talking about what happened with the Supreme Court ruling in Arizona. And I can get into that at another time. But happy Independence Day is not happy for all. Congressman Byron Donalds, also a freshman, representing Florida, was on America's newsroom, saw what's happening, and also saw what's happening with all these unhappy people who are tweeting their anger towards America. He feels differently. Cut four. More black people have accomplished and achieved more wealth here in the United States than any other country in the world. We should actually celebrate that and celebrate, uh, frankly, the birth of the greatest nation man's ever known. Her connotation of what she's saying is that people are still in chains. It's just not true. Like, it's not true, factually. Look at, look at your life. Look around you. You're a congresswoman in the United States, for God's sake. Come on, let's be honest. They are a big problem. Uh, the Democrats know this. That's why they're starting to pull back off of some of this rhetoric. And so I think that uh, Corey's comments and the comments of her colleagues in the squad definitely hurt Democrat prospects in about 18 months. If there's anything we could do to equal the playing field, make it, more, uh, make it equal for everyone, let's continue to knock down the obstacles. He would know. Maxine Waters would know. But instead, they sit there and blame and they want people to apologize with this critical race theory. Now America's largest teachers union is uh, teaching critical race theory to children and calls for October rally to commemorate George Floyd's birthday. This is the NEA, the National Education Association. They approved a plan to publicize critical race theory, so they're pushing back big time. What's the problem with that? I think Senator Kennedy put it best. Critical race theory teaches that America is totally screwed. We need to just tear it down and start over. Critical race theory also teaches that um, uh, non-black Americans are racist, that they they don't much like black people, whether those non-black Americans realize it or not. Anyone on? 1-866-408-7669. When we come back, we're going to talk to uh, Katie Boyd. Uh, Britt, uh, she wants to be the next senator from Alabama. She's off to a pretty good start. Chief of Staff for Senator Shelby. Uh, and then we're going to take uh, your calls and then work in a simulcast with Stuart Varney's show. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Hope you had a sensational holiday. Back in action. Be here. Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmeade. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. Radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Republicans will be running on inflation and tax increases by the left, and they'll be running on the violence we've seen over the course of the last year. And Julian, that you mentioned earlier on the on the program, that the numbers that have spiked over the last 12 months, uh, the violence all across the country in cities small and large across the country, and the Biden administration's answer to that is gun control, which isn't going to fly with most of America with families like myself that want to protect themselves from the increase in violence. The worst thing we could do is make our laws tougher for legal law-abiding, law-abiding citizens to be able to legally obtain a firearm to protect themselves and their families. And that's not going to fly with the American people. That's Nancy Mace, Congresswoman from South Carolina. It's her rookie run. She's carrying a gun. She 
said, I got so many death threats, I'm carrying a gun. That's what I'm allowed to do. That flies in the face of the only thing that Joe Biden has proposed to stop crime. He says gun sellers and gun owners who have illegal guns will be fully prosecuted. I doubt it, and that is not the problem, solely problem. Katie Boyd Britt is with us now, Republican candidate to be the next senator from Alabama, who was chief of staff for uh, Richard uh, Shelby, who she hopes to replace. Uh, Katie, welcome back. Brian, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, so far, uh, do you do you believe that where, where would you rank crime in terms of would you think the American priority is and Alabamians, uh, Alabama residents priority is? Oh, Brian, that has to be at the very top. I will tell you, obviously, that is one thing that the government is supposed to do, and that's help protect public safety. We have to support our law enforcement officers. I mean, what we are seeing now, I've been traveling the state and talking to sheriffs and talking to police officers, and they're having trouble getting people to apply for jobs because of what we have created in this country, because of the dialogue. And and we've got to stand up. We've got to stand up for these law enforcement officers and let them know that that we're with them. also, too, Brian, we've got to secure the border because what we are seeing in Alabama is the number of drugs coming over the border, the number of criminals coming over the border is significant. And here in our state, you know, when they stop people on the border, they ask them, you know, where they're going and that kind of thing. Twenty percent of the people are saying that they're going to Florida. Well, the only way to get from Texas to Florida is right through the state of Alabama. And so we are seeing problems, um, everything from increased crime and obviously increased drug trafficking throughout our state. Uh, incredible. Houston, they had one police officer shot it over shot over the weekend. Chicago had two. I'm looking here. Las Vegas well, had two. Is, Milwaukee had yeah. two. It, it's unbelievable. And that's what happens when we don't stand with our law enforcement officers. I mean, we see what's happening in Chicago, and that should be a lesson to the rest of the country. You know, we have to stand with those law enforcement officers. I, I have a cousin who is a police officer, and talking with him just about the daily struggles and the way people are starting to view police officers, we've got to change that. You know, we have a wonderful country, and these men and women stand up every single day to protect us. And um, and we need to them. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, it was amazing how many people were not standing for the 4th of July. We're ripping it. Uh, listen to uh, Claire McCaskill. Everyone else was just pointing out, oh, this racism and uh, we, there was slavery in 1770s uh, and we had a war and as if there was been no progress. Claire McCaskill comes out of nowhere, the former senator, and says this, cut eight. We're going to start a new family tradition in my family on the 4th of July and every 4th of July going forward. We're going to watch that video that the New York Times put together of of January 6th. Still about what the New York Times put together, pointing out the invasion of the Capitol on January 6th after President Trump's speech. I mean, where does that come from? Brian, I am sick of people trying to tear this nation apart. We have the greatest nation in the world, and we need to consistently every day work to form a more perfect union, but you don't do that by tearing each other down. I mean, enough is enough. You know, let's look and let's work, and and obviously we want to root out racism and discrimination wherever it exists. You know, we want to create opportunity for all Americans. We have good, we need to create good paying jobs for hardworking Alabamians and Americans across this country. Um, But we need to stand up for this country. We have the greatest country in the world. And the rhetoric creating um, dialogue that it's not. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the whole Captain America thing. I mean, how in the world did we get here? Yeah, Captain America uh, comes as now turned anti-American. It's in in, through cartoons. Uh, I got to ask you, too, for you, you've been a candidate now for about a month. 
What kind of money have you been able to pull in? What kind of support have you been able to get? So, Brian, we have been so encouraged. Um, so we've been about a month, like you said, uh, an announced candidate for just over three weeks. And we were able to raise $2.24 million um, in the first three weeks. And we um, and 90% of that came from Alabamians. We have been just we have been so energized by the enthusiasm and momentum around the state. I mean, people are ready for something new. They want someone, Brian, who is going to fight for their Christian conservative values and not apologize for it. And somebody that is also going to make sure that Alabama has a seat at the table, you know, fighting tire to make sure that these hardworking Alabamians have jobs and opportunities and strong communities and safe communities. Right. Uh, so far, safe communities. And I know that uh, in Alabama, there's an extremely patriotic state uh, and also a state that has some needs. In terms of infrastructure, what do you hope gets done? What do you think needs to be done in Alabama? What do you hope comes out of this bipartisan plan if it passed? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Obviously, you know, we want to see investment in roads and bridges and continue to create safe roadways for people to move our people and products across our state. Um, interestingly, though, Alabama ranks 47th in broadband, 47th in the nation. And, Brian, if we are going to have 21st century jobs and a 21st century workforce, then we must have 21st century infrastructure. And the rural portions of our state, which is plenty, um, you know, need that access. So whether you are trying to, you know, as a mama, you know, I think of these mamas that have to drive into McDonald's and sit in the parking lot for their child to have the opportunity to learn and do their homework. You know, I think of our farmers who now use, um, they use broadband extensively. I mean, everything from precision, precision agriculture to, you know, the way their tractors run. I mean, they need that now. And yep. then, of course, small businesses, you, you can't run a credit card without it. And so we have to make sure that broadband is a part of this so that Alabama can continue to grow and flourish. Yeah, I would think that that would be a part of it because there are some needs there. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Have you talked to Senator Shelby? Have you gotten his endorsement? You know, I did. One thing um, I have learned with Richard Shelby is I, I certainly, you know, I want to stand on my own two feet and whatever he decides to do needs to be his own thing. And so I actually probably read along with many others um, when he endorsed me uh, about two weeks ago. And so I was excited to have that. I mean, he's a fifth generation Alabamian. And so I know that he knows and loves the state. Right. But importantly, I think the best endorsement that I can get is that of the people of Alabama. And, and Brian, gotcha. that is what we are working hard to do. Every he knows what day. it takes to do the job. And he thinks you do, uh, you have it too. Katie Boyd-Britt, thank you. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. I'm not going to answer any more questions on Afghanistan. Look, it's 4th of July. I'm concerned that you guys are asking me questions that I'll answer next week. But I'm, this is a holiday weekend. I'm going to celebrate it. There's great things happening. Economy's growing faster than any time in 40 years. We've got a record number of new jobs. COVID deaths are down 90 percent. Wages are up faster than any time in 15 years. We're bringing out our, bringing our troops home. We have uh, all across America, people are going to ball games and doing good things. 
This is a good. I'll be. I'll answer all your negative questions. Not negative. Your legitimate questions. He doesn't want to talk about Afghanistan. Tough. You, you, you decide to end a war that you say that 20 years is too much. You have put no thought into the exit plan. For some reason, the generals don't seem to be standing up to you and saying we can't do it this way effectively. So we're watching an absolutely embarrassing evacuation as China fills the void, and so will terrorists. I don't have to tell that to my next guest, Congressman Michael Waltz of Florida. Congressman, with your uh, National Guard service you're active in and your Green Beret background, this must be killing you the way we're leaving. Yeah, Brian, it it, it is uh, breaking my heart and it's it's banging my head against the wall. And again, I look for for everybody out there. Look, I get it. Hard, long, expensive, uh, frustrating war effort there. But uh, that doesn't mean we can just repeat what Obama did in Iraq or tried to do, where he just yanked everybody out with no plan. Uh, which led to the rise in ISIS, a caliphate the size of Indiana, attacks across Europe, inspired attacks across the United States, untold hundreds of thousands, uh, you know, um, uh, executed, uh, American hostages in orange jumpsuits being beheaded. Uh, and the, the sad thing is, the same crowd, Brian, that was in charge, uh, Austin, who was then the military commander over the Middle East, is now the secretary of defense. Blinken, who is the deputy national security advisor, he's now the secretary of state. And they're just repeating the same awful playbook again. Uh, and uh, we've just yanked everybody out. We closed our base down. The Taliban is on the march, taking district after district. And the intelligence community is clear. Uh, that al-Qaeda and ISIS are going to come roaring back. But, Brian, here's the difference in Afghanistan and Iraq. We don't have any bases in that region. I mean, we, we don't have any bases. Uh, and once our local allies, our interpreters, and those who stood with us are decimated, we're not going to – when we have to send our soldiers back and our special forces back, they'll have no bases, no local allies to fight with. And that blood is going to be on the Biden administration's hand. And you can bet you I'm going to be calling him out loud and loud and clear. He doesn't want to take your questions. You heard the questions. He thought they were too negative. Yeah, right. Well, he doesn't want to talk about it because he knows he doesn't have a plan. Uh, there's no bases in the there's no countries in the area that want to take our bases uh, that are going to allow us. I mean, what do you have? China, Russia, Iran in uh, Pakistan. And by the way, aside from the terrorism problem, that base, that Bagram Air Base that we just walked away from is sandwiched right there a couple hundred miles away from the Chinese border, a couple hundred miles away from the Iranian border, and on Russian's southern flank. So for great power competition, you know, that's, that's four out of our five major adversaries in uh, our national security strategy that we could touch uh, from that base that Biden just gave away for free. And then the other thing, you know, talk about families who are just uh, devastated. There's still a Navy veteran, uh, and a U.S. Navy veteran, Mark Frerichs, who was taken hostage during the negotiations by the Taliban. And uh, they still signed the deal and have walked away and were taken away all of our leverage uh, to, to get him back. It's just it's they, they don't have a plan for anything for our interpreters, for our base. 
for counterterrorism uh, and for being in the, on the back door of uh, Western China. And we're not talking about Nothing. zillions of dollars. We're talking about just provide, let the contractors finish the job, let them support the Air That's Force, right. let the training continue. A thousand guys in there we would have been able to hold and give another generation additional time to get ready, gradually cut back on the funding and be able to put it elsewhere. But just to end it uh, the next day causes all-out all panic. Here's what Joe Biden, when he, when he was asked about air support, they just wanted air support. This is what he said. Cut 16. We have uh, worked out an over-horizon capacity that we can be value-added, but the Afghans are going to have to be able to do it themselves with the Air Force they have, which you're helping to maintain. Thanks. Uh, but you told all our contractors to leave, so you go do it yourself. Brian, that's a lie. I mean, it, it just doesn't exist. I mean, you know, technically, can we go anywhere in the world uh, and take somebody down? Yes. But, you know, these guys aren't, you know, parachuting in from the space shuttle. You've got to have intelligence network on the ground. You've got to have local bases. Our drones can only fly so far. Uh, And and again, you know, when when they made this mistake in Iraq, uh, we have Israel, we have the Gulf states, we have Turkey, we have Kurdistan, we have other places that we could go and launch out of. In Afghanistan right now today, we have nowhere. Uh, We have nothing. Uh, And so, again, the intelligence community is clear. We're going to have to go back. And uh, we have nowhere to go back from. Not not that doesn't significantly raise the risks and the costs uh, on our soldiers that that will have to do that. We've also that the Pentagon has said that they are ready to evacuate our interpreters. Guam has said they're ready to accept Republican and Democrat senator and uh, Senate and the House of Representatives are asking Biden to do this, and it's just silence. And by the way, Brian, Senator Biden in 1975 said we had no no moral obligation to help the South Vietnamese and actually voted against the resolution to get them out. So, you know, this guy pretends like he's, you know, a caring, loving old grandpa. But when it comes to action on the ground, it's heartless. Uh, We have a moral obligation to stand with these people that fought with us. Uh, and uh, right now they have a bullseye on their back. They're being hunted down as we speak, not just our interpreters, but women, uh, politicians, journalists who stood against the Taliban uh, loudly and publicly. They are all being hunted down right now as we speak. And he just doesn't seem to care. He doesn't. Remember, he's been wrong on everything, too. So and then nothing changed. He's yeah. just older and uh, dumber. Here is General. Hey, Brian, can I just add in? Can yeah. I just add in, too? The, the piece, sorry to interrupt you, China is just chomping at the bit. Uh, when I served in uh, the Bush administration, we commissioned a survey that found out there are a trillion dollars of rare earth minerals and critical minerals, lithium that power batteries around the world, chromite, natural gas, uh, you know, all kinds of, of critical minerals and rare earths that we were also sitting on top of. The Afghans were ready for us to help them mine and, and get out of there. And we're just walking away from that, too. So not only the base on China's backyard, but these critical rare earths we're walking away from that are going to power the electronic, uh, the green uh, renewable economies of the future. And we're handing it all over. Uh, we're handing it all over to them. It just is yeah, I want ridiculous. You to use... It's asinine. I know. And they're moving in. Uh, they're moving in. They can't wait. Uh, General Scott Miller uh, weighed in. He's commander of Operation Resolute Support, but he's leaving. Uh, This is what he said when Martha Raddatz asked him. Cut 20. Do you think about Iraq when we're leaving here? 
and what happened in Iraq when we left. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's on, that's on, that's on everybody's mind. It's, uh, you know, again, these are judgments uh, that we have to make balanced against our national interests. Right. He has to play politically correct, but he knows. But he knows we're not going to be able to fight our boy back in because there's no, com- there's no government that's going to be there that's going to be compliant. It's going to be within right. six months this whole thing's going to fall. You think we're going to staff the embassy we just built? No way. No, it's going to be a bunker. No, it's going to be a bunker, right, until we have to pull them out. And I want to be clear, too. I mean, you mentioned it, just a few thousand. You know, if your goal is to get just a few thousand troops home, because I know that's an easy tagline to say, been there too long, bring the troops home. We still have 50,000 troops in Japan, 30,000 in South Korea, 30,000 in Germany. Brian, we still have a battalion counting ships guarding the Suez Canal left over from a U.N. mission. There's a lot of places where we could bring some, some troops home and reduce our footprint. But not where there's 50, you know, where there's half the world's terrorist right. organizations, China, Russia, Iran, right. uh, and, and a trillion dollars worth of critical minerals. Mike, We're talking s- about a very small footprint that trains the Afghans. They just don't, yeah, they just don't want to listen. I only have a minute left, but I got to ask you about the hurricane bearing down on Florida. What should people yeah. know? Well, they should listen to the local advisory. I'll remind them of Hurricane Michael. That was just a, barely a tropical storm, Category 1 a few years ago, and in 48 hours, it became a Category 5 that mowed across the panhandle like a lawnmower. was devastating. So just monitor, listen, have your supplies, and if the local officials uh, tell you to evacuate, please do so. Four Floridians know how to do this. So this is, uh, this is a, not, it's a drill they're very familiar with, and I think they'll, they'll take precautions. Congressman Michael Waltz, thanks so much. Hope somebody's listening to you before it's too late. Yeah, me too, Brian. And and I fear for the soldiers that are going to have to go back. That's what really breaks my heart. Absolutely. If we're invited back. I mean, we have to do it from an aircraft yeah. carrier. Thanks so much. We're not from Kuwait anymore, and we're not welcomed in the Capitol. Uh, thanks so much. Appreciate it, Congressman Michael Waltz. Uh, when we come back, we'll do a simulcast with Stuart Varney show, and then we'll take your calls at the bottom of the second half. one 408 Brian Kilmeade Show. Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, we have, in about five minutes, I'm going to be doing, in about 30 seconds, I'm going to be doing a, a hit with Stuart Varney. You can watch us on Fox Business. Normally, you watch us on uh, Fox Nation. So you, you'll be able to see us in both places. And then I'll be able to take your call. So I see you up there, one 408 7669 And keep in mind, too, we're talking a lot about race in America. So let's talk about that a little bit more. On the East Coast, that means it's time for Brian Kilmeade. Good morning, Brian. Yes, Stu is on vacation. I want to talk about some of the players that we can on the U.S. women's soccer team. It looked like they were turning away from the flag during the national anthem before the game against Mexico. It wasn't shown on TV. Why do you think they didn't show it? What was going on? Not really sure, but... They did not run from the fact that Megan Rapino and others were kneeling. They did not run from the fact that 
Almost the whole team kneeled except for a couple of players and the controversy there. Uh, U.S. soccer seems to be a very woke organization of late. And here they are vigorously yeah. denying that they turned their back. Now, this is a very disciplined team. They went out and crushed Mexico. They're the best in the world. They're probably favored to get a gold medal. In. Yep. Uh, so usually the discipline is from the time you walk out to the, how you stand to the national anthem on down. I watched the video again. I'm going to go with them on their word because – yeah, There really is no downside for them doing this. You saw Gwen Berry is now more famous. I'm sure she's going to get a Nike deal soon. So the women's team doesn't get sanctioned <laughs> for doing this. So I'm going to go with their denial. Carly Lloyd, who I respect uh, more than almost any athlete on the planet, now yeah. 40 years old and a captain, said we did not do that. So I'm going to go by her word. Yeah, they said some uh, were acknowledging the flag at one end of the stadium and some of the other team members acknowledging a veteran, a 94-year-old veteran who was playing a harmonica, playing the national anthem on a harmonica, that that was, that was who they were looking at. Anyway, time to move on. Next one, Brian. And a favorite, squad member Corey Bush slamming 4th of July celebrations. She, she said, and here is the tweet, black people still are not free. And they say that the 4th of July is about American freedom, but not for black people, just white people. Uh, Texas Senator Ted Cruz blasting the congresswoman in a tweet saying, look, the left hates America. Believe them when they tell you this. What's your reaction? I mean, how can someone tweet something like that on the 4th of July? She truly believes it. She's a success story. She should be talking about this is how I made it in America. In certain sections, there are people out there that might have a harder time than others. And this is how I made it through. Maxine Waters said something just as derogatory about this country. This is a woman living in a mansion while representing a rundown South Central Los Angeles. Been in Congress since the 80s. How bad is America for you? And how could you change it? There are people in America, we have equal opportunities. If it's unequal, let's make it better. If your schools are bad, let's make them better. You don't vilify people. We're in the uh, the the um, the marketplace now of vilification. It's somebody else's fault yeah. that I haven't reached my goals. I, haven't, I have economic uh, duress. I am just sick of it, but unfortunately, we are they're doing two things. They're bringing kids up through school one way, and they're pressing down with lawmakers yep. the other way. There's very few... Lieutenant Colonel Allen West out there or not enough uh, pushing back. Right. I mean, do they truly think that this is what America wants to hear? They don't care, I, I assume. It's certainly not a winning strategy for a political party. I mean, I just don't understand it. It might be in their minds because they looked at the money that poured into Black Lives Matter. They look at the feeling of uh, of horror as we watched George Floyd uh, breathe his last breath. And they say, well, this is endemic of what yeah. happens in America to black, uh, to African-Americans or black Americans, Caribbean Americans, wherever they're from. And they thought that that's the best way to maybe get political capital. I think people are sobering up looking around and saying cops aren't the problem. Law enforcement isn't the issue. Well, we're not perfect. We're pretty great. And my hope is that there'll be enough pushback where people are going to learn history instead of being indoctrinated to hating this country. And I go back to what other people say, and I think it totally works. If you have a better country in mind, please go. Because I have not seen another one on the planet. Go ahead and tell me this perfect country. You want our great country to be better? I'm all in. You hate this country? I'm not keeping you here. 
Yeah. Go and live in Cuba. Go and live in Beijing and start talking badly about the government. See what happens to you. You'll never be seen again. Well, go to the UK. <sighs> go All to right. France. By the way. Go to Sweden. Go ahead. Yes. Yes. Socialist countries. Ah, by the way, Spain, Italy, very quickly, Euros today. I pick Italy. They'll play England in the final. Should be really interesting outcome. Uh, I like Italy because of tradition. I'm half Italian. I've, I've, they've, they've surprised everyone throughout this tournament. I think the biggest surprise is England. Ah. Don't you believe? Yeah, four nothing over the Ukraine. I mean, I the do. biggest surprise. I think it's uh, it's we where are it traditional all runners up, though, Brian. Yeah, I know. <laughs> bring it home is the song. Anyway, Brian Kilmeade, great stuff as always. Thank you so much. Uh, still ahead. All right, one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Joe, listen on WABC in New Jersey. Hey, Joe. Hey, good morning. Uh, thanks for having me on, Brian. No problem. What's in your mind? Uh, One of your previous guests, uh, I think it was the congressman, was talking about how the current administration doesn't have a plan uh, for what they're doing in Afghanistan. And uh, I have to beg to differ with that. Uh, The current administration definitely has a plan. And the plan is to undermine the United States. The plan is to put us in a position where we're weaker than our adversaries in the Middle East. Um, as, As you said or he said, you know, we're surrounded over there by China, Russia, and other, you know, adversaries that we have in the Middle East. And by pulling out the way that, that we did, uh, we're significantly weakening our position uh, in the Middle East and our ability to be able to defend our interests out there as well. Uh, but beyond that, beyond just the Middle East, you've got, you know, the, the, the ideology that they're propagating here at home with race wars and everything else that they're doing to destroy the economy. And while and, and, and your, your normal everyday people, you know, their idea is as long as they have us at each other's throats, you know, we don't notice the fact that the gas has gone up by more than a dollar. Right. I mean, I, when no one's even talking about inflation, what it's done to everything from when you go to the food store on down. Thanks so much, Joe. Great perspective. That's the stuff that people care most about. Where the money is at the end of the month. Where did it go? From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Appreciate everybody being here. We'll be joined by Shannon Bream in a matter of moments, and we'll be taking your phone calls at 1-866-408-7669. So, uh, and I hope you had a fantastic 4th of July, and you didn't read any mean tweets from our sitting congressmen and women uh, who believe this is a terrible country. Uh, that's not how I feel. I imagine it's not how you feel. So how do we stop this? Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The loss of terrain and the, and the rapidity of that loss of terrain has, has to be concerning. One, because it's a uh, war is physical, but it's also got a psychological or moral component to it. And uh, hope actually matters and morale actually matters. Uh, that is uh, true. General Scott Miller, you could not do it any more irresponsibly in my view. I'm talking about the abrupt haphazard pull out of Afghanistan, handing the country over to the Taliban in China. Yeah, China will bring you the latest on the 2021 version of Saigon. 
Number two. Right now in Chicago, mm. over 2,000 people have been shot to date, and about 354 people have been killed. And uh, to date also, uh, 52 young people under the age of 15 have been shot, and 10 young people under 15 have been killed. The mayor's not listening right now. The superintendent, they're not listening. Crime and no punishment. Surging shootings, homicides, have Republicans and families crying. Dems stay silent. But once they do speak, guess who they blame? Uh, you guessed it, race. Number one. Are you proud to be an American? No. I feel embarrassed to be an American every day. Not really in this climate. Not most of the time. I think sometimes it's just a little embarrassing. No. (laughs) Be proud of what? And what is there to be proud about if you're black? I think most of the time, no. Uh, unbelievable. That's Georgetown students. The war in history takes aim at Independence Day. The text and tweets were outrageous and all plays into the teaching that we hear is drilled into our homes by critical race theory. It's time to fight back, and in many cases they are. Will it be enough? Shannon Bream joins us now uh, from Fox News at Night, filling in all over the place, and she's also on The Woman of the Bible Speak. That book's still available. Shannon, welcome back. Great to be with you. I'm going to pretend like it's Monday, but we know it's Tuesday. Even though it's Tuesday, but you should feel good about that. And Also, did you have a red, white, and blue fourth? Oh, you know I did, and so did a lot of my neighbors, who must be terrible people, <laughs> according to the New York Times. Uh, yeah, lots of, lots of flags out and about. Uh, I saw a lot, too. Uh, There's no doubt about it. Some of these tweets have stood out. Maxine Waters puts out this tweet. Uh, July 4th, the Declaration of Independence says all men are created equal to what? Equal to what? Men? Only white men? Isn't it something they wrote in 1776 when African-Americans were enslaved? They weren't thinking about us then. They're thinking about us now. Should we explain to her she's almost 80, that she lives in a mansion in a representative democracy? If she's that upset with the country— why is she still here? Well, I have that question for a lot of people. Um, if you've lived and traveled other places, there are other good countries in this world, but there is none that is anywhere near as free as this one, including the First Amendment right to free speech, so that you can say whatever you want, even if it's disparaging about the country or our leaders or anyone else, and you don't go to jail and you don't get killed or tortured. Um, so this is a pretty amazing free place. Can it get better? Yes, it can always get better, which is why the framers put together the Constitution so that we can amend it. We've done that many times and to better uh, the situation for all Americans. And we continue to fight and pass laws that make life better for all Americans, too. But you're not going to find a better formula anywhere else in the world. Where did you go to college? You went to Liberty, right? You guys did not have that problem at Liberty. I want you to hear what Georgetown students had to say. Cut one. Are you proud to be an American? No. (laughs) I feel embarrassed to be an American every day. Not really in this climate. Not most of the time. I think sometimes it's just a little embarrassing. No. (laughs) Be proud of what? And what is there to be proud about if you're black? I think that's a complicated question for me. I think most of the time, no, at least over like the past four years, um, it's been tricky to, you know, love to be an American. Uh, have you, do you think that would ever happen? Did you ever think this would happen with the majority of people? Answer that question for campus reform would be don't like the country. And Georgetown, not an easy school to get into, by the way. And, and, though, if you have legislate, or educators, K-12, through 12, who are teaching kids to be embarrassed of and ashamed of and to hate their country, I don't know how we can expect them to be any different when they get to college. You know, I, I mean, we should not be surprised that this has been the message of a lot of top unions and, and, you know, some very vocal teachers who are out there saying, you know, this is kind of the track we have with these kids. And so if their brains are being filled with that and there's not a significant – 
Sorry, the, do- the dog is very upset about what the Georgetown kids had to say. No, I know. Um, Just... You know, I mean, if there's not some offset, some strong offset in the home or in other organizations, to at least challenge that thinking and have a conversation with them, that's where you end up. So let's talk about voting if we could. Arizona came to the Supreme Court, came down with that look at the, uh, the Arizona voting uh, rules. After the pandemic, people said it shouldn't be the wild, wild west. You have to have no more no-excuse balloting, drop boxes in every block. So they reined in and they said, you got to vote in the precinct you're, you're listed in or it's not going to count. Uh, and they said goodbye to ballot harvesting. And they did it on a 6-3 decision, essentially saying Arizona did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the amount of rhetoric on the left saying this conservative court's ruining the country and you got to uh, go ahead and pack the court. We have no choice. Uh, is unbelievable, and how it's been misinterpreted is inexcusable. This guy, uh, L.Z. Granderson, was on This Week with George Stephanopoulos, and here's what he said. He's an L.A. columnist, too. Uh, cut 32. You know, the thing that really frustrates me most is that the justices acknowledge that these new laws does impact minorities. They didn't deny that aspect of it. They just said that the inconvenience of it isn't so great. Well, they're all privileged, and I grew up poor. I remember my mom scraping together 50 cents, 75 cents a dollar just for gas money to get to the grocery store. When you do that to polling places, now you're forcing minorities to decide whether or not they're going to invest money, gas money, to get to the polling places that are now far further away, or do I use this gas money to get to the grocery store, or do I get to work? They're privileged saying that this doesn't inconvenience them enough. Well, how do you know? When was the last time you were that poor? What's he even talking about? Well, and and the thing is, too, you can have ballots mailed to your house in just about every state. And you and I have covered uh, how many elections. I've been there seeing them, you know, bring vans to go through the neighborhoods. If you need a ride, we'll come get you. I mean, there are so many different options for people to vote that it's just very hard to digest that as being reality. But but, but, but not only that, the point is vote in the precinct you live. And if you you change change addresses, go tell us. Why does that, what do you mean it acknowledges and affects minorities more? What was in the decision? Well, and I think that he, I think he's probably leaning toward, more towards that second thing, which said you can't harvest ballots. So you can't go through the neighborhood and pick up someone else's ballot and take it in. But, you know, when you start to poll people on the specifics of what that means, most Americans think that that's not a good idea. I, of all races and backgrounds, um, they, they don't favor that. Um, so, you know, these are things that when you test them out with the average American person, they see the common sense and making sure that we all want our ballots. I don't care who you vote for. We want them to be secure and we want them to be handled properly. So, listen, the Supreme Court found these these two measures were not instituted for uh, discriminatory bases. They were not something. Do they occasionally have an impact in this neighborhood or that neighborhood? They might, but not anything that the court found was even measurable to an extent that would make a difference. And there are so many other options. They're going to defer to state bodies, state legislatures, as the Constitution tells them to, when it comes to how to handle their elections at the state level. I want you to, it's just amazing what's going on because, you know, the whole setup is, Shannon, Republicans got to look right now to have a big midterm election. And they're going to say it's not valid because they changed the rules to help Donald Trump's party. Mm-hmm. And we could see it happening right now. I mean, President Trump has not helped that either. I mean, him saying it's fraudulent before and after and harping on it, when it unable to prove it, has not helped that cause. But those things come back to blow up in your face. So when you do win and people accuse you, are going to accuse you of cheating. But he, uh, Donald Trump could come back and say... Did anyone ever acknowledge on the left that he won the 2016 election? Or did they spend the whole time saying the Russians did it? 
Well, and, and two, you have this situation in New York where they did this crazy um, ranked choice voting that the elites all said was going to be so great for them. Now it looks like Eric Adams and two other of the top um, vote getters have had to file lawsuits and they're demanding answers about why it's so messed up, why votes are messed up, why it's taking forever, why they can't get answers. So, you know, it's interesting because on the right, when you asked questions after the last um, election, and listen, there were some things that I think we still need answers. I mean, I went through scores of sworn affidavits from people who were willing to put their names on these sworn documents that they saw something that didn't make sense. Um, do I think it was you know, widespread and, and huge and is going to overturn the election? No. But I do think that when people have come forward and put their names on these documents, maybe we should ask some questions about you know, why were you putting up posters so we couldn't see the counting? Why were people kept so far away so they couldn't see the counting? But now that the left is having to ask those questions in New York and say, hey, something here doesn't sound right or smell right, um, there's no one in the media going and saying, hey, these three top vote-getters in, in the mayoral election in New York are crazy and need to shut up and stop asking questions. I think it just kind of um, displays the, uh, the overall um, double standard that when it comes to things like elections. Yeah, well, look at New York. It's such a joke. All these people on the, on the take putting in all types of overtime. They didn't earn over $100,000 and have the worst election system in the country. There's just no bar none. They cannot count Democratic primary votes three weeks later. Yeah, and even Democrats are raising questions and saying it's terrible. The mayor, Bill de Blasio, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, these are not right-leaning people. These are people on the left who say this system is terrible and broken and it needs to be fixed. Absolutely. So, uh, Shannon, do you have any idea who's on tonight? You know what? I'm first doing Outnumbered at noon. I will see you there. And then I will figure out what's going on with the rest of my life. Yeah, there's no rush uh, because (laughs) you do have a little bit of time. So I, I totally understand it. Um, did you have a chance to see the women's national team, national anthem? I didn't. I mean, I, I saw it after the fact. I saw some pictures and some images, but I was not watching it live, which I know to you is a travesty because it's your life. But do you know what? They didn't televise this part of it. And it does, uh. Look, uh, un- it does look bizarre that Mexico knows exactly where to stand, and the best team in the world has no idea. They're all pointing different directions. So I am wondering – I'm – I'm on the fence on what they did. I know Carly Lloyd came out and said we weren't turning our back on a 91-year-old uh, veteran. Veteran. Yeah, I mean, so I'm, I'm no just matter keep... how upset you are with the country or feel that we need change, yeah. I honestly have a hard time believing people would do that to a vet. I mean, somebody who literally risked his life for them to be able to do whatever they'd like to do. I hear you, uh, Shannon. I, I appreciate your quality time. Good luck on out number today, but don't peak too early. I won't. I, I'm going to um, pace myself, and we'll start at 12. 12 you got minutes. it. Uh, Shannon Breen, thanks so much. Bye. Hey, when we come back, your calls one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. More black people have accomplished and achieved more wealth here in the United States than any other country in the world. We should actually celebrate that and celebrate, uh, frankly, the birth of the greatest nation man's ever known. Her connotation of what she's saying is that people are still in chains. It's just not true. Like, it's not true, factually. 
Look at, look at your life. Look around you. You're a congresswoman in the United States, for God's sake. Come on, let's be honest. They are a big problem. Uh, the Democrats know this. That's why they're starting to pull back off of some of this rhetoric. And so I think that uh, Corey's comments and the comments of her colleagues in the squad definitely hurt Democrat prospects in about 18 months. I hope so, because people are afraid to speak up, but hopefully they're simmering underneath here, celebrating Fourth of July. By the way, in my neighborhood, I've never seen it celebrated like this ever. I've never seen more fireworks displays, more people happy to be out and about, and more people proud of the country. Uh, discouraged about what's going on, discouraged about a president that's clearly failing, who has done some other things that, listen, I was glad there was a bipartisan infrastructure deal. I did not expect him to blow it up two hours later. I'm glad that his pack the core thing is not going to come true. We put together a group that was supposed to report back to him in 90 days. He's not going to get that done. I'm glad that Joe Manchin is standing up and representing the people of West Virginia, not the left-wing Democrats, and he's standing up and fighting about an AOC. But I am extremely concerned about the curriculum in K-12 through as well as colleges. I was getting used to the colleges and thinking, well, that could be overcome. Now when you're telling a second grader what they think history is, that's a problem. Um, so we, you can also call one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Uh, Tanny listening in Texas. Hey, Tanny. Hi, listen, I, I, it's all about money. If they really hated America, they would leave. So they just say they hate America because there's money there. I mean, the Oprah Winfrey's of the world. I mean, where else could she have been the richest woman in the world, black woman in the world? Uh, Obama's of the world. I mean, my goodness, we're a wonderful, wonderful country. And like you said earlier, if you don't like this country, leave. Or make it better. If you want to change certain things about it, go out and say it. You know what I would love? I would love President Obama to talk about his journey. Single parent, mom worked 20 hours a week, had to be raised by his grandparents a great deal of the time. She'd come back, she'd read to him. He finds his way to law school, an elite law school, and then gives up a law practice to go walk the tundra of Chicago to win over uh, the black churches to his cause because he wants to represent him uh, in the state legislature, later in the U.S. Senate, and then become president. No one paved the way for him. I'm sure he had benefactors, but he had no in. He wasn't born into money. That's a great story. Maxine Waters, whatever unique, crazy story she had, it was on, you know, she becomes a U.S. representative for 35, 40 years. You see the front of her house? The woman's loaded. Tell her your story. How'd you do it? Instead, they want to rip this country. There's no freedom. There was slavery 245 years ago. How could you deal with that? You know, there was Jim Crow. Yeah, that's called history. It's in our rearview mirror. We learn from it. We grow from it. We get better. But we do it from a positive perspective. I, I have no idea what they're talking about. And this is truly a war on history. So many people just feel entitled. Britt Hume added to this argument brilliantly, cut five. You know, the one thing that you never hear critics of this country along the lines we've just heard in Anita's report, never hear them cite, is some country which measures up to their standards. You never hear about a, another country which is doing a better job of it than we had, and there's a reason for that. I can think of no nation on earth, and perhaps no nation in history, that has tried harder or done more to bring its minority populations into the mainstream of the country with all its freedoms and advantages. Um, that is so true. Mary Lee, uh, you listen to KRMG over in Oklahoma. You were listening to us earlier, um, and we are talking about Afghanistan, very military area in Tulsa. What's on your mind, Mary? Well, thank you. Uh, well, 
on the Afghanistan thing, we spent millions and billions of dollars, made Halliburton rich and everything, and boys that are blown up. And when we walk out, it won't be 100 days that China gets the rare earth material. It's uh, very valuable. And the United States never thinks, none of the guys think. And as far as I want to talk to you about the Obama health thing, when the Herman Cain uh, was on the radio, somebody here in Oklahoma called and said he paid $28 a month, had wonderful care and all that. Uh, we were, my husband and I were eating out and visiting with this woman next to us. And under her plan with them, she paid 3200 a month. Now, because I guess because yeah, you don't believe the twenty eight dollars, the twenty eight dollars is not that's not happening. People call up and they say stuff that's unsubstantiated. You could say anything. You could write anything. If it was twenty eight dollars for great health care with doctors were happy with it. Obamacare would be the best thing ever. What people have glossed over because Republicans had no substitute for it uh, was that it's unaffordable. Doctors don't want it. The deductibles are way too high. That's the problem with it. Uh, thanks so much for the call. Always appreciate hearing from KRMG listeners. Hey, you can watch us on Fox Nation. You can also get the podcast, BrianKilmeadShow.com. The t- uh, chance to listen anytime, anywhere. Don't go anywhere. We'll take some more phone calls. We're going to end the hour with more to know. Don't move. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. At this year's trials, the U.S. Olympic Committee allowed athletes to take part in respectful demonstrations on the topic of racial and social justice, and that was a quote, that's their words. Uh, But there will be a ban on protests and demonstrations at the Tokyo Games. Are you going to abide by the ban should you make the the podium at the Olympics? We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) You won't answer. I won't answer. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. You know, it, it just depends. It depends. You know, everything is a spare of the moment. It depends on how I'm feeling. It depends on what I want to do in that moment. Yes. Instead of doing the right thing, do whatever you want at any point. That's Gwen Berry talking about throwing the hammer. She came in third in, in the American qualifiers, the U.S. trials. So the, the odds are she probably won't place third when the rest of the world goes. They usually... Uh, I cannot give you the latest on the hammer. It's basically a chain and a ball, and you throw it as long and far as you can. Uh, she had to work hard to get there, no doubt about it. Best three in the country is amazing to do that with anything, whether it's figure skating or there is downhill skiing or or what or swimming. I get it. Fantastic. But I think that the fact is that she's loving the attention, loving the attention that she's getting. And I'm sure she's going to end up in some type of Nike deal. She's going to get a lot of speaking engagements because that's how backwards we all are. Because she dissed the country. Unbelievable. But, I mean, that's how backwards it is. Sooner or later, this has got a boomerang. Uh, I hope that the people start getting an understanding of what we're about. And hopefully it's not going to take a war or anything like that to understand what's going on. But clearly, Joe Biden is not bringing anybody together. His approval rating says 54 percent. But when it comes to the border, 33 percent. When it comes to crime, 38 percent approve of what he's doing. 
And when it comes to Afghanistan, please tell me, I don't know one person, if you want to just get out of Afghanistan and, and let everyone just kill each other and the Taliban take over, you got to be really happy with his, his approach. Jim is listening on the stream on Fox Nation in Scottsdale, Arizona. Hey, Jim. Hey, Brian. Uh, love your show. Hey, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to find out how we can go on the offensive, and I mean that in a positive way in terms of uh, the messaging that uh, conservatives and Republicans get out in terms of why this is such a great country. We always seem to be in, in a defensive posture in reacting to some of these crazy statements that are being made and other things. And, you know, one of your guests uh, this morning on uh, Fox News was talking about we've lost the war in the schools, and I think we're losing cultural war because we're always too nice and always on the defensive as opposed to getting a positive, proactive message out there. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, you know, a couple of things. I think it's happening. A lot of stuff is happening in the grassroots version. It makes sense. Because we accept the fact it's a great country and we, you know, we have different parties and different opinions and different focus groups to talk about the nuances within the country. We've never had, that in my lifetime anyway, so many detractors from the inside that talked about the fundamentals of the country that want us to give it back to the American Indians you know, who want to, uh, who say that we're still uh, ridden with, um, with racism. And you usually think, well, why are the Russians saying that? Or, you know, the Chinese are trying to stabilize us. But it's actually coming from us. So, of course, if people want to go against the tide, they're going to get more attention. Because for the most part, it was accepted we're a great country. Now we've got to go know the nuances of what made us great, the journey we got to get here, and compare it against other world civilizations. So I just think these grassroots organizations galvanize, uh, will galvanize people because we no longer can take it for granted that the classes that they learn are going to be pro-American. Not whitewashing, not propaganda, but pro-American. Bill Bennett, one of the nation's esteemed historians who wrote a book on virtues and the American Constitution, said this, cut six. These dissenting voices saying we're a bad place, structural racism, uh, systemic uh, white privilege everywhere. Uh, now, that's not what most people think. And if you went around the country yesterday, you saw that. But... The elites think otherwise. So you get these dissident members of Congress, these people on the left wing of the Democratic Party, and there's a popular uprising against them. But the major media, the big media, the Googles, uh, mm -hmm. the Facebooks, the Twitters, uh, Hollywood, uh, the universities, uh, all of them are in agreement on this. Unifying symbols are no longer unifying symbols. I saw in the New York Times said maybe the flag can't be the unifying symbol anymore right. since it's been captured by the Trump people. This is insanity. It is nuts, but he's totally right. The New York Times wrote this story that it triggers people to see the American flag. And you saw that New York Times editor two weeks ago who said, I went to Long Island. I saw so many Trump signs and American flags and said it was so disturbing. And I thought to myself, does she understand how crazy this that, that is to say? Uh, and I don't think she really does. So, uh, I mean, here's an example. Uh, Americans got blindsided by this pandemic with all these different states and all these different governor, uh, governors and all these different philosophies. It was hard to get a unified message. Plus, our medical community totally let us down. The Chinese did not tell us who was about to hit us, the CDC, and uh, the medical community said it wasn't going to be a problem here. It was. We didn't need masks. We did. But then when it came to getting a vaccine, we're quicker and better than everybody else. The vaccines are more effective than everybody else, and our country is the first to stand up faster than anybody else. I mean, think about this. The U.K. is going to open for the first time. Does anyone think that Russia is not overwhelmed right now? I don't think China is telling the truth and they're 
because and their vaccine is terrible. You look at Central and South America. Sadly, it's going to hit uh, the most vulnerable in Africa, and that is not good. In Europe, they were extremely slow. In the beginning, we were appointed to Germany. Why can't we be that disciplined? And they got hit with two or three waves while locking everything down. So we don't celebrate our victories. We always look for the worst. I'm listening at this uh, this MSNBC. I can picture him. I'm not sure how I say his name, but Tory is an author and former MSNBC host has written an op-ed criticizing the 4th of July. He wrote, it wasn't Independence Day for black people. He wrote the country's newly designated holiday, Juneteenth, which commemorates the emancipation of African Americans, cast a long shadow over Independence Day, making it look like a hypocrite and a damn fool. Uh, Not really. Maybe to your mind. The only Independence Day I recognize is Juneteenth, F, 4th of July. Fantastic. Isn't that great? Other students talk about how they're embarrassed. Now, Bo Snurdly, that's his nickname, his real, uh, his, he has a, that was what Rush Limbaugh gave him. But he weighed in on where he thinks this whole racism thing started. And Bo Snurdly was on primetime on Monday, and he said this. He happens to be black. Cut seven. It would almost seem that they're suffering from an infection of anti-American hatred. And this infection mm. is what they also want to pass on to their children, so that the children yeah. of these leftists grow up, ha- grow up hating their own country. Mark, between Stalin and Mao, 50 million dead. Mm. Add World mm. War II Germany, another 50 mm. to 80 million dead. Today, all of these countries are looking forward. We're here in America, the, the nation that fought for more freedom than any other country on the face of the earth, And what are our leftists doing? They're trying to drag our past back and throw it in our face and say, we are a terrible nation now because of what happened in the past. This is psychotic. Mm -hmm. It makes no Mm -hmm. sense. That's some of the logic that he got from working with uh, with Rush Limbaugh all those years. His name is uh, James Golden. He was on last night at at around the 7 o'clock show. So... This is what we're looking at. We're looking at the biggest teachers union pushing for critical race theory to be part of the K through 12 and any school that they represent the teachers in. That's disturbing. Now we're seeing all these uh, African-American lawmakers and uh, pundits and editorial writers, columnists come out and talk about their disdain for July 4th. We got to push back big time. We walk at the National Archives, come forward and say we're really triggered by all those rich white people called the founding fathers who greet you. Uh, in the foyer when you come to the National Archives. Then you look over, uh, when you look up, you see them, and you look down, you see the USS Constitution. So they provide services for people who see Jefferson and Washington and Madison and feel triggered. Embarrassing. Kevin McCarthy, cut nine. There's a reason why America should lead in the world, because it's about freedom. There is no better place, no greater place that you can succeed than here. And it's the foundation, but it goes back to what Benjamin Franklin said in that constitutional um, convention. They asked him, what did he create? We created a republic if you can keep it. It's our responsibility in this generation to stand up to China, to stand up to big tech, to stand up to wokeism. We would not be America today if we allowed wokeism is. And this critical race theory is racism. It's telling students and children to judge one another based upon the color of their skin. 
Yeah, Kevin McCarthy, who looks to be the next speaker in about a year and a half and finally retiring Nancy Pelosi. So he's uh, campaigning for that, and he obviously is right on every on every count. A little surprised because in California, he's basically watching critical race theory being inserted in as they're getting ready for another recall election of their terrible governor. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. We'll take a break and come back, and we'll do find out if there is indeed more to know as we finish up this hour of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Let me remind you also, I mentioned this a couple of times and I'll get closer as we get closer. But President and the Freedom Fighter looks at these issues, and it is the story of Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and their and their wartime battle to save America's soul, and how their lives were so un, uh, were so uh, the odds were so stacked against both of them. One more, Frederick Douglass, escapes from slavery, ends up being a a statesman known around the world, and Abraham Lincoln, one man, a man of a one year of formal education, pretty much abused as a kid, and was able to overcome all that, become a lawyer, a, and a uh, and the two term uh, president of the United States, and lead us through our most difficult time. And then how they met, President of the Freedom Fighter. If you want to order it now, it's out in November, but it tackles all these issues back then, and they were all more optimistic in the, their statements then, Frederick Douglass especially, than we get from a lot of our leaders now which is inexcusable. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Uh, Thanks so much for listening, especially coming off a holiday. I know some of you are getting back to work, which some of you are off and still went out of your way to listen. I appreciate it. And I've heard so much over the break is when you have a chance to break format and kind of see people for the first time in a long time. And this happens to be my unofficial study. The most I've ever had people who got to me say, I listen to your radio show. And I think it has a lot to do uh, with, uh, I think, after a while, uh, people are really wanting to hear longer form conversation. And we appreciate you understanding that this show is different from everything else. Uh, So let's find out if there's even more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. Well, James Clyburn is uh, somebody who says it's not usual for us to want to hear from a former president when it comes to the testimony after what happened January 6th, six months ago. Here's what he said, though, about the possibility of Trump being subpoenaed. They should go wherever the facts lead uh, they may be able to get uh, what they want and need uh, without him testifying. Uh, I would not want to see a former president uh, testifying in such a situation as this. But if that's what it takes in order to get to the bottom of this, because this is more than any one person. Yeah, uh, I would say I don't want to see a former president testifying. James Clyburn, I'll go and stick with that statement. We're not going to see him testify. Leave him alone. January 6th was the biggest mistake giving that speech the president gave, but I don't believe he ever wanted anyone to breach the Capitol or hurt anyone. Uh, just uh, He's not a violent guy in particular. Uh, Congresswoman Liz Cheney will be on the committee, the select committee, the Democratic select committee, to find out what happened that day. Next, Nike, Nike backs Shikari Richardson. Uh, in her attempt to compete in the Olympics, despite admitting that she used uh, marijuana. Uh, Nike confirmed Friday they would be continuing their sponsorship of Richardson, which dates back to 2019. Quote, we appreciate her honesty and accountability. We continue to support her. I don't get why marijuana has not been looked at, whether it should be legal or not. 
I mean, right now, most of the country here legalizes it. It's not a performance enhancer. If she had a beer, it wouldn't have been a problem. I am not for legalization of marijuana, but I also don't think she cheated. She wasn't cheating. She didn't say, I took HGH by mistake. She's saying, I took marijuana. I, I did it by, you know, whatever reason she had. She said her birth mother died. I don't, I don't look at that as an excuse. But if you want to go out, if there's, uh, that sprinter goes out and has a few beers, it's no problem. Now in this country, they're trying to say there's no difference, but they stop it at the Olympics. I know she should know between right and wrong, but it's different from what Lance Armstrong did. Um, next. AOC says the Olympic ban on marijuana is an instrument of racism following uh, the suspension. Uh, she tweeted that out. Of course, she has to find race in everything. Speaking of race, next. Bill Cosby blasted Howard University for blasting Felicia Rashad's response to his release from prison. Remember, Rashad came out in support of Bill Cosby, despite all the accusers and his admission that he drugged uh, his would-be women that he found in his grasp. Go over that on your own time. But Bill Cosby is as emboldened as ever. Felicia Rashad could lose her position at Howard University. So we'll see how that goes. But her, they are friends sticking up for each other. Next, Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani got married. I actually thought they were married already. But uh, Blake Shelton, five years, six years younger. I don't know if they can overcome that. They both seem to like music a lot. Uh, Blake Shelton, according to reports, like country more than her pop music. We'll see if that lasts. They certainly seem to have chemistry on The Voice. What's your limit and you said it's you know you don't know if they can overcome the six-year age difference what's the line in the sand that you draw when it comes to an age difference well in terms of me yes um, your line in the sand my wife is one month older than me and that was my line and it was two months i really would have to see if it would work yeah then you i guess you know that's where you that that's when she would become a quote older right. woman then and i think they i think that once i think once a guy or a woman hits 30 all bets are off like, Macron married a woman 50 years older than him, didn't he? <laughs> didn't he marry his teacher? Wasn't it his teacher, I believe? Yeah, he married his teacher. She's so much older, and they seem to be getting along great. But as, right? long, but as, long, as, as long as he was at least 30 years of age, and she could have been years 50 age, years older than him, ropes. 60 years older than him, and it's fine. And you know what? You should judge. Uh, I mean, you should not judge. That's right. There's a little difference. Next. Uh, we already looked at Gwen Berry. The Keystone XL pipeline owner seeks $15 billion in damages after Biden's decision to inexplicably stop it. The Canadian firm that owned Keystone announced it will be bringing a claim against the U.S. government. I am all for it. TC Energy filed a notice of intent with the State Department. I agree. You have to justify stopping it. There's no reason to stop it. The oil passes through the country. It would have been thousands of jobs. We were working on it. Had the ratchets out. The wrenches ready to go. The oil's ready to flow, and you stop it. Guess who's getting it now? China, and everyone else loses. Next. It's hard to explain this next story simply, but put it this way. Two very talented broadcasters are at each other's throats. Rachel Nichols and Maria Taylor, they're great. Rachel Nichols is fantastic with a great work ethic. She was caught on camera, did not shut it off, complaining to LeBron's agent's assistant, excuse me, LeBron's agent's advisor, that she was taken off ESPN's NBA playoff coverage, even though she's contractually allowed to do it because Maria Taylor is black and they want it to be racially uh, sensitive. Here's Rachel Nichols apologizing when this came out. Obviously, Maria Taylor won't appear with her, and she will not speak to her. Here's Rachel Nichols. So the first thing they teach you in journalism school is don't be the story. 
and I don't plan to break that rule today or distract from a fantastic finals. But I also don't want to let this moment pass without saying how much I respect, how much I value our colleagues here at ESPN, how deeply, deeply sorry I am for disappointing those I hurt. Listen, she's a great person. Uh, what she said, what I have heard, is not outrageous. I understand how Maria Taylor could be offended, but she still, if you listen to the content, she wasn't putting her down at all. Got every, she gets everything she deserves. Rachel. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.